It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest, comedian Tommy Davidson, is performing in the Access Showroom at Aliante Casino this Saturday, January 25th at 9 p.m. For ticket information, go to aliantegaming.com. And for everything about Tommy Davidson, go to tommycat.net. And you can follow him on Twitter at TommyCat. And Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. It's good to be here, the, the great state of Nevada. Or as we like to say it, Nevada. Nevada? Nevada. Yeah, okay, I got that. Yeah. People took me that long to learn that? Well, it happens. Listen, I talk to people all the time that perform here for years. It's, it's an inside thing versus an outside thing. A lot of people Nevada. outside the state say, yeah, Nevada. That's the way. I know it, that doesn't look right. <laughs> I got it. But... I learned fast. <laughs> you should do. Well, I'm talking to Tommy Davidson, who... Uh, no. <laughs> I have to ask... It's Davidson. Yeah, Davidson. <laughs> I'm probably not going to ask you too many of the typical questions you get, which I think is better for you because I'm sure you're, you get bored with that. There's so much history yeah, with you. Yeah, you get a little stormtroopy. Yeah, exactly. And I do want to talk in a little while about your upcoming book, which is called Living in Color, What's Funny About Me, and it's going to be coming mm-hmm. out, I believe, January mm-hmm. 28th, published by Kensington, and I'll get yes. into that as well. But more important than any of that is how, when was the first time you got a sense that you had not only a sense of humor, but an ability to make people laugh. I was little. I was little. As a matter of fact, it was so automatic that what would happen is, you know, when I was a little kid, my whole family would laugh anytime I said anything, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, it got kind of weird on me. You know, we'd be at Thanksgiving dinner, and all of a sudden, everybody, I'd say something, and the whole table would just bust up laughing, you know? So I thought, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, so I went to my mom. And I said, why does everybody laugh at me when I say something? And she said, they're not laughing at you, Tommy. She said, the way you put things makes people happy so fast that they don't even have a chance to think. They laugh first. Interesting. And I was like, whoa, okay. So they're laughing. Yeah, they're laughing with you instead of at you. Right. And so that's when it didn't become such a big deal until I got to school. And then the teacher were like, he's making people laugh all day. (laughs) (laughs) Was it the same thing in college when you were going to college? Did you make the professors laugh? I made about a, 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 I was trying to be serious by then. So I made it through about a a semester of being serious before my counselor told me, I don't think you belong in college. I think you belong doing something else. (laughs) And so, 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 you know, you know, I took her advice and I ended up actually doing TV and film and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, you, you know. worked at a radio station too at the uh, District of Columbia University. Uh huh. Which is cool. Now, yeah. the, the most important question, though, is really not so much that you have the sense of humor and you're able to make people laugh, but can you make your family, and I mean not your parents, but can you make your wife and kids laugh even today? Oh, that's a, an automatic part of who we are. That's what we do. That's, that's great. Our whole that's life great. Laughing. I mean, they all grew up watching my specials. You know, all my kids are really funny. You know themselves. So when they're looking so at you, a, it's just like a way of life, really. So when they look at you performing, if you're watching it on, say, television, do they turn to you and look at you and go, "Wait a minute, that's our dad on television 
making people laugh, and they're laughing as well. So it's yeah, I mean, they were a... too early to know it. Okay, I see. You know, I think they look over one day and says, wait a minute, you're my dad. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like my 13-year-old just realized. She said, Dad, who are you? you know? And I said, what do you mean? She said, Dad, who are you? I said, what do you mean? She said, I went over to my friend's house, and her father saw a picture of you on my phone and started going crazy. You know, I do, I do TV and stuff like that. She said, I know, but, like, who are you? You know? I said, I do movies and stuff. She said, I know, but who are you? I said, your dad. She said, no. Um, so I think it hit her that Tommy Davidson, that's, Star is actually her real dad, if that makes any sense. It does, it does. Or the more important question is, when you look in the mirror, do you say to yourself, who are you? In other words, given all your success, do you occasionally look in the mirror and go, who are you? You get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, who are you? You've I've attained all this stuff through hard work and talent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've finally, at, at my age, I've finally been able to answer that question for myself. You know, and who am I? I'm the happy dude. I'm the guy that's job is making people happy. It's better than McDonald's because I can give it to you 24-7. Well, so that can they, but. (laughs) (laughs) Millions and millions served by Tommy Davidson's laughter. That's right. That's right. Have you ever had a chance to, because I, I see what you're saying, at your age now, you understand exactly who you are. Did you ever then take another step and say, how do I define why I make people laugh? Do I define my humor? And have you ever done that? Or do you just, you're just funny and you don't even bother analyzing it? I just, I just do what I do, you know? I don't think that much. You know, I, I, I used to, you know, but, but now I'm kind of in the flow of, of everything. It, my, my business is my life. You know, my life is my business, especially since the book. And that book, again, is called Living in Color, What's Funny About Me? And I think it's What's Funny About Me without a question mark. So it's a statement. It's an affirmative statement. Yeah, what's funny about me? Yeah, exactly. You know, what's and funny I, about me is every page in there that's funny about me is some, a lot of sad, bad stuff and a lot of good stuff and beautiful stuff. Everything contained in there is the reason why I'm funny. So you're not just a survivor, you're a prosperer because you've learned yeah. to, to look at it and make comedy out of it, humor out yep. of it. And how long did it take you to write the book? Was it uh, ongoing? Because you're so busy and I'm glad we have time to spend because you're a very busy guy and you're always either on the road or you're doing stuff. And to take the time to write the book, especially one that's a revealing book and a funny book and in a way a philosophical book, because mm. you're talking about succeeding over adversity definitely i think that that's that's finally i think that's finally the message you know it's it's what i wanted to convey in the book in the first place you know what i mean sure yeah it's what i wanted to convey in the in the the book in the first place but it actually actually took place so you triumph over it actually came to be right you triumph over adversity and and from the and we should point out for many people who may not know or some people who may not know many people do know you started out really behind the ball because you were adopted because you were found because your natural mother abandoned you, gave you away in essence, if that's the uh-huh. term. I'm not even sure that's Well, it didn't the give me term. away. She actually threw me away. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, yeah, you're more direct about it. Yeah. I just didn't like the idea yeah, yeah. of saying it that way. I mean, so. now, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I never really thought about telling people. 
<laughs> that never occurred to me that I'd, 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 I'd start making that as a general statement. You know what I mean? Yes, it's, it's not an easy concept to grasp, even right. for an adult. And then to become successful, and especially in the world of comedy and show business, mm-hmm. it, there's fortitude there. There's, as I say, triumph yeah. over disaster. You, you obviously had a loving, supportive foster family, which helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. And, and, and the compelling thing about my life now is, is there's people who haven't even gone through what I've gone through, but they've gone through enough. Because they're living homeless and near the trash now, you know, and um, it's the same the, the 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 same need to to help me grow and become healthy and to prosper as a human being is the same need the world needs now. It's the same need, but and how, so I'm aware of that need, right? But how do you fill that need? Because you obviously had a mental toughness about you. Well, I don't think it was a mental toughness. I think it was a soft ass behind. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think you know, like you know, I, I, you know, life's butt whippings taught me that the things that I was taught about what was right are actually right. So once I grew past trying to figure out who I was, then I was able to instill purpose into my life. You know, some people's purpose is, let's say to sell other countries nuclear arms or to sell other countries weapons. That's not my purpose. You found your purpose, and were you going from a position of confusion or or was it from a position of bitterness knowing that you had been abandoned, at, at a, obviously, at the very beginning? In other words, what baseline were you working from to finally reach where we, we use this term actualization, which I think is overused, right. but in your case, I think it works perfectly fine. When you reach that well, level of actualization, was it from a, a baseline of bitterness or a baseline of just confusion or searching for your true it identity? It was a baseline of bitterness. I mean, I'm sorry, it was a baseline of confusion, which gave way to bitterness at times in my growth. But the good thing is I had so much love in my life that the bitterness didn't dominate who I became. You know, you overcame the bitterness. The bitterness didn't dominate who I became. Right. The confusion became an aid since that became the prominent, you know, the prominent perception of mine. Mm-hmm. Because why it became an aid was because it encouraged me to learn why I was so confused that white people and black people hated each other. And so I started learning the reasons why. And just like when I was eight years old, I mean, just like when I was five years, well, five years old, when my mother told me that people your color don't like people our color and people your color don't like people my color, I thought that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's, you know? that's a pretty heavy and thing to hear from. Yeah, that's, but that's a pretty heavy thing to hear from your mother. Yeah. Yeah, especially when she was white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do you think you know? she was generalizing, meaning all hate this side and all hate that side? In other words, or would she say a, a lot of them or some of them? But she was like, no. She was trying to. She was trying to generalize for my growth. Ah. She's trying to generalize for my growth. Okay. And the generalization that she was 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 showing me 
was that as a way of the world, the way the world is now, that seems to be the general rule. So that, that puts the general rule. That puts and that was enough load. for like a five-year-old at the time. Yeah, I would say it's enough for you even know I mean? a teenager. Oh little, yeah, a five-year-old. So when, when I started filling the blanks of my own education, I understood what general rule meant. As I learned history, and as I read, and as I talked to people, and as I explored different kinds of people, and I, and I accepted friendships from all types of people, I, I started understanding what those general rules were, and I found that they had nothing to do with color. I found that that general rule has been something that's been a rule of mankind since the beginning of time. And that is our inability to be able to share resources. So from the time that we, from the time that we were hunter gatherers, you know, if we ran, if, if one group of humans ran into apples and the other group had meat, they would trade them, you know? And that at one point, one of the groups would go, why are we trading with them? We can have apples and meat if we just take it from them. And from that day on, <laughs> I think this has been a problem. So it's more historical than it is racial per se. In other words, there are elements of, of obviously racial animus. But what you're saying is from the long run of history, it started out where people said, rather than trade, why don't we just take the whole thing? Right. Yeah. It's more. It's 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 more than it's more than race. It's 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 that thin line between human nature and human nurture. So we have human nature, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have human nurture, and nurture means what? To care for. And so to there's make, a thin yeah. line between us caring for each other and the nature of us, which has this thing in us that goes. I don't care because you're from over there. So you have to work more on developing the nurture part than the nature part. Right. All right. right. I got you now. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'd be surprised, but this is comedian Tommy Davidson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> more... <laughs> see what's funny about me? You see now? It's great. We're going to take a break. He's performing the Access Showroom at Aliante Casino. This Saturday, January 25th at 9 p.m. For ticket information, go to AlienteGaming.com. And for everything about Tommy Davidson, you can go to TommyCat.net and follow him on Twitter at TommyCat. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with comedian Tommy Davidson. He's performing in the Access Showroom at Aliante Casino this Saturday, January 25th at 9 p.m. For ticket information, go to aliantegaming.com. And for everything about Tommy Davidson, go to tommycat.net and follow him on Twitter at TommyCat. Tommy, what I like about you is that you are funny, but you're also philosophical and you have a, an awareness of not just yourself, but of society. Not all comedians can do that. So you can go on the stage of the Access Showroom at Aliante Casino and make people laugh. At the same time, you have this entire history, which you're writing about in your book that we mentioned again, called Living in Color, What's Funny About Me, due January 28th, published by Kensington. So when you go out on stage, are you reading the crowd when you first come out on stage, or you just start talking and, and performing? Yeah, all I need is one look at them. And you can tell. You know, yeah, I'm like a, I'm like a 
surgeon. <laughs> just give me, give me them. Let me see what the situation is. I'm trained for this. You know, <laughs> that's great. I'm trained for this. You know? <laughs> so, 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 you know, I can look at, I can look at, you know, the majority of the races that are in there or the ages kind of feel, you know, what region I'm in. I can kind of feel generally what I have in front of me. And then I just let go and really see by testing them through just throwing out happy, throwing out happy, throwing out happy. That's your tagline, it's like a, it's throwing like out a, happy. Like a, yeah, throwing out happy. It's like a, it's like a, you know, like tear gas. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> throw that in the building and people are going to start coming out, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, I, and I think the way, the, the reason it comes across is it's the human aspect of it. You may have an interesting past, if that's the term I could use, an interesting past or a, certainly a dynamic past. And at the same time, you're able to relate to people because you are touching people of all races, ages, sexes, etc. You just have this universal appeal. Yeah, that is true. And that had nothing to do with a plan, you know, maybe a master plan. That had nothing to do with me. You know, this, just a, this was in, it was already wired into me. It's a fascinating story. And, you know, I know we could talk about In Living Color and we could talk about all kinds of that background, but I think most people know that about you. I like more the talk about on the edges of what you are as a performer and a comedian, et cetera. One of the things you do that a lot of people may not know is that you've performed for troops around the world. Yes, I have, and I still do. A lot of, lot of what, has, what has formed my, um, my consciousness these days and, and, and really got me hip you know, to, to who I really am and who we really are in the world. So when you're out there performing around the world for our troops, you get a sense of, again, we talked earlier about human nature and human nurture, and certainly a war zone is not human nurture, it's human nature, and yet you're bringing part of who you are to these troops that are in far-off lands. That must have a, an ongoing effect on you. You mentioned that you get a sense of who you are by performing for the troops. Is it the troops themselves, the location, or a combination of the two? It's the combination of the two. So I get to see parts of the world that are different from the part of the world that I'm from. And the part of the world that I'm from, for the most part, is secure. It's secure from any attacks. You know, it's secure. You're correct generally, but there are obviously situations such as 9-11 where we're not that secure. That's what I mean. We're not that secure, but right. in general, we're secure. Right. Now, when I go to Beirut, you know, and I see the Gucci store, and then the store next to that has bomb holes in it, then the store next to that is a grocery store, then the four buildings that follow that down the block are, like, devastated by machine gun bullet holes, and the whole top of the building is gone, they're not as secure. That is true. You know? Although they're secure, they're not as secure as us. You know, when I go to Djibouti, Africa, you know, and when we leave the base to go to a five-star hotel, between the base and the five-star hotel is like the walking dead. It's poverty beyond what you've ever seen in your whole entire life, at least me. And I've been to South Bronx, Southeast Washington. You know, I've, I've, I've seen poverty, but not like that. Ground zero. Like nothing. They had nothing. 
Okay. Then I go to this opulent hotel. And then we make our way back to the base. You see? Yes. Yes. The contrast, so yeah. to speak. Yes. And then I see in our base, I see Puerto Rican, Irish, Italian, Polish, uh, Jamaican, Mexican, Jewish. I see America. Now, you see how I see America? Mm-hmm. How can I see America like that when the main thing being said is, what is it? Or make America great again? Can so you hear me? Yes, I'm hearing you. Yes. So you see all make these... Make America you... great again? Well, why do we need to make it great again when it's great now? I go to the base in any country, and the base is full of Irish, Mexican, Italian, Filipino, Mexican, Caribbean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're American. Right? How can we be any greater than that? So what time in America is he talking about? Well, I think part of it is, is addressing the economy as opposed to the social, political influx of people and movements, etc. In other words, there's ways to look at a nation. There's the economy. There's the people in the country. There's what's, what is the industrial development of the country? What is the standard of living of the country? So I think that's what it's referring to rather than specifically the fact that we're all coming from different walks of life and different races and different countries. Oh, I hear you. Well, the, what goes up and down in the world, and besides, everybody has the same conditions. Economies go up and down. Uh, countries are not great because they're, you know, super-duper wealthy or whatever. Countries are great because they have respect for every single citizen. They have a sense of equality. They have a sense of taking care of veterans, of their wars, they have a sense of school and community. They have those senses, regardless of the economic condition. I'll give you an example. The Depression was not a good time in our country, right? Right. You can say that America was not great then, right? It was not doing well, absolutely. If, yeah, if you're right, if you're basing it on that, right? But what made it great? What made it great was, uh, oh, Roosevelt came in and said, there's some things that are missing here. Welfare program is missing. Putting people back to work is missing. Seems like there's some equality going on here. There's not a lot of public health going on here. Started focusing on the people of America, all of them. That's when it became greater. It's a balance between a good economy and a good, humane society. That's what makes America great, not one or the other. Both. Right, but in historical context, just let me add this just to play devil's advocate. Although FDR was a great president, he also interned American citizens of Japanese descent during that yeah. time period, too. So it's, it's a mixed bag always in history. Not really, because... Not really, no. Because the people that have ran this country have been running it from the very beginning. It was just one of those times where they finally learned their lesson that they can't just be going and doing what they want with their own people. Because guess what might happen? 
Everybody might be speaking German and Japanese. Great lesson. It was the only thing that led them to go, you know what? We need to all work together. Unfortunately, after the war was over and the, and the country was built, started being rebuilt, they left a couple of people behind, bro. Okay? And my people were one of them. So America's great now to me because I'm including myself. And I wasn't before. And that's where I'm coming from. Understood. When you mentioned about performing for troops, do you also get a chance to perform for veterans groups? Maybe go out visiting hospitals and Absolutely. perform as well? Absolutely. That's my thing. You'll see in my book where I visited several, I got some stories about several veterans that I saw in Afghanistan and um, some veterans that I went to see in Bethesda, Maryland. So not only would I go see, not, not only do I go see the troops internationally in service, but I also go see the veterans after their service and try to serve them as well. I do the best I can. No, that's great work. Try to give us, yeah, I do the best I can. Yeah, it's it's great work that you're doing because you're doing it both for the troops and then the veterans here in America coming back as well, so. Right. Yeah. Before I let you go, and it was a fascinating discussion, I want to ask you something unrelated to what we just talked about, but back to the original point where we started, which was, did you have a model to look at for your comedy growing up? I know you had, certainly you opened for Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy at the Comedy Store. You obviously love Sammy Davis and you do his impressions, etc. But was there one specific person in the world of show business that you looked to as a model for your the, yeah. the, for the development of yeah. your talent? Yeah, man. Sammy Davis Jr. And he, now Will Smith's my hero, man. Yeah, Sam- I got so many, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. Jim Carrey, Will Smith. Sam, but I'm going to say Sammy Davis Jr. He was multi-talented to the point where you just look at him in amazement. And he was not a, he was not a tall guy, but boy, he just was able to do all these things. <laughs> it was it's still amazing. It's what he believed in. You know, he, yeah. he, he, he put his money, he put his, he put his action where his mouth was, you know? Right. He represented both sides of that divide that my mom taught me. He represented both sides of those and helps us bring that into balance. You know, and, and there's no winners, there's no losers, no one's right, no one's wrong. Everyone is just here. Everyone is just here in today. And we and, can learn from the people from yesterday. Yes. There ain't nothing going to happen if we're not here tomorrow. And to tie in the past with the present and connecting things, Sammy Davis was a big presence in Las Vegas, and Tommy Davidson is coming up to be a big presence in Las yes, Vegas. Yes, and Tommy Davidson does Sammy, baby. Exactly. Okay? So, man, Vegas better get ready, baby. Whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong, no cat's gonna buy this ebony star from singing my song. I've gotta be me. I've gotta be me. Nevada will learn, or butter won't churn, Tommy, Sammy D. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> My guest comedian, Tommy Davidson. Tommy Davidson is performing in the Access Showroom at Aliante Casino this Saturday, January 25th at 9 p.m. For ticket information, go to AlienteGaming.com for everything about Tommy Davidson. Go to TommyCat.net. Follow him on Twitter at TommyCat. Get his book called Living in Color. Do January 28th. And Tommy, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. See you next time. 
You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah,